It's a chancy job, and it makes a man watchful and a little lonely. Come on in for an evening of poems and stories about the American West. A land of legend, of romance, of friendship and courage. A motherload of remembrance. A true showcase of the Old West with the old cowboy, J.C. Holsey. Welcome to the Wild West Showdown today, folks. I just had to share this bit of news with you. Outlaws Publishing just signed its eighth author, and this is only April. I'd recommend if you've been waiting to publish your book... You need to stop waiting and get in touch with us. All it takes to get started is to send an email. JC at outlawspublishing.com or JC at theoldcowboy.net. On March the 22nd, 1908, a very special person was born in Jamestown, North Dakota. He was an indifferent student. He dropped out of high school at age 15. Over the next two decades, he traveled around the world working in an amazing variety of jobs. At various times, he tried his hand at being a cowboy, being a seaman, a longshoreman, a prizefighter, a miner, and a fruit picker. In World War II, he served time in Europe as an officer in the Tanks Corps. After returning from the war, he began writing short stories and novels. His spare, flinty style caught the eyes of several editors, and he began to make a living as a writer. His big break came when a novel he wrote at the age of 46 became the basis for the popular John Wayne movie, Hondo. Although he hadn't set out to be a writer of westerns, he began producing more of what readers and editors clearly wanted. He wrote several other screenplay novels, including the epic 1962 movie, How the West Was Won. By the mid-1970s, he had written 62 books, most of them westerns. His best-loved novels feature three pioneering families, the Sacketts, the Chantries, and the Talons. He produced convincing and moving historical novels that spanned centuries and celebrated the strength and spirit of the American West. Most of his books also feature rough-hewn but intelligent men. When you open a rough, hard country, he said, you don't open it with a lot of panty waste. In the tradition of classic westerns like Owen Wister's The Virginian, women primarily serve as love interest in need of protection. He used extensive historical research to ensure authenticity. He avoided many of the simplistic cliches and racist stereotypes of early westerns. Although he occasionally cast Indians as villains, he also offered sympathetic portraits that reflected an understanding and sympathy for different cultures and histories. He had written 108 books by the time he died in 1988. Having sold over 225 million copies of his novels, he was one of the most popular and influential Western authors of the 20th century. In recognition of his vivid depictions of America's past, Congress awarded him the Congressional Gold Medal in 1983. Have you guessed who he was? Louis L'Amour. For all those Western authors that think they have to use cuss words and vulgar language to become a bestseller, Listen to what the great Louis L'Amour had to say about that. Written all these stories without any pornography, without any obscenity. I grew up among sailors and miners and lumberjacks and the roughest kind of men in the world. But I never found it necessary to, to use all that in the stories. I could make them real without that. I think much of that kind of writing is a cover-up for lack of really real skill. And his advice to would-be writers? Read the best writing you can find and write. Write all the time, anything you can write, anytime. When I first started out, I couldn't sell short stories. I didn't know enough about it. 
I had to teach myself how to write a short story. I'll be writing as long as I can handle a typewriter and as long as I can get around. And I've got many, many stories to write. He'd written 108 books by the time he died in 1988 and sold more than 225 copies. One of the best, Louis L'Amour. Now let's listen to some good old country music. This is Kimberly Murray singing Honky Tonks and Slow Music. I could say that the smoke gets in my eyes I could say that's the reason I cry But as I look across this booth and in your eyes I can see why you said goodbye Honky tonks and slow sad music Play the jukebox Let the red wine flow free Great, Kimberly, thank you. A lot of authors get discouraged and want to rewrite what they've written. I really don't think a person should rewrite. I say go ahead and finish your story, then go back and what I call polish it, but don't throw away what you just put down on paper. I feel a person's first ideas or thoughts are usually the best. However, if you feel strongly that the story needs to go a different direction, then by all means, go with your gut. The main thing I would say is don't get so discouraged that you shove what you've written into the desk drawer or the closet where it may never see the light of day. 
I visit with a lot of folks that have done exactly that. In fact, I did that with my first attempt at writing a novel. It got to be too hard for me, so I put it away. Perhaps like me, you don't have enough faith in what you've written or in yourself. It took many, many years, many frustrated years before I came to the realization that I had a talent and I needed, I had to share that talent with others. What if the ones you share it with don't like or appreciate it? Well, let me back up a minute and try to explain how I feel about that. I told you I had a need. I had a desire to share with others. And sure, I would like it if they reciprocated, but the bottom line is I fulfill that need. I fulfill that desire by sharing. Now, it's up to the ones I share it with whether they do or don't like what I've shared. We want to welcome to the Wild West Showdown today, author Valerie Davison. Welcome, Miss Davison. Well, thank you for having me. Tell me a little bit about yourself, where you were born, where you grew up, and where you're living now. Okay. Well, I was born in the Bay Area, a little town called uh, French Camp, California, in the county hospital. And my father got bored with uh, being an accountant, and so he joined Army Audit Agency, and we lived overseas most of my childhood. Yeah, I really loved it. I loved it. You said you were married. Do you have any children? Um, yes, we have six between us. I had two on my own, and then I got four as a bonus <laughs> Oh boy! about eight years ago, and they're all lovely. <laughs> okay, how old are they? Well, my oldest is going to be 38, and then the next is 37. They're only 13 months apart, two boys, and then the other four, the youngest just finished college. He's 23, So, and then we had the three girls in between. Do you see an author in any of these children? That's a good question. My older son wrote a book about his business that's very business-oriented. And the youngest one, he's working with the television studio, but he's not writing. But he likes to create story, and they, they're they all very interested in movies and stories. But nobody's become a writer yet. <laughs> did your son, when he wrote his book, did he ask any advice from you? <laughs> yes, he did. He sent it, and I sent him back my edits, but I told him he needed a professional editor, not me. I just gave little comments on the content. All right. W were you nice to him in your editing? <laughs> Yes. That's the problem with having Ken folks for editors. That's true. You don't want to flash and burn. <laughs> okay, how about pets? Do you have any pets? I wish I did. I don't have any right now because we live in an apartment, and it doesn't make sense. But I love animals. I've always had either cats to Alaskan Malamutes to a horse. I read in your bio that you might have been a little adventurous girl. Uh, it says that you uh, invaded the neighborhood boys treehouse or something like that <laughs> yes they very quickly chased me out of it with acorns and and i uh, ran home and one of them hit me and i got scared but i had fun climbing the tree and it wasn't that exciting when i got up there i thought what's all the fuss about do you still have that same adventurous attitude today you know i think i do barring um a more common sense i think than you have when you're younger and i have a little bit of arthritis in the knees but other than that i think i'm pretty adventurous still <laughs> So you're telling me you're not going to be climbing any trees? <laughs> well, if I could, if I could figure your way up there, I'll be there because I there you trees. Go. <laughs> what made you decide to toss your hat into the book business? I think that it's something that I've always done. I've always written books, but I hadn't thought of writing as a profession or writing and trying to publish anything because maybe it was the era that I grew up in, but, you know, parents are always telling you to be practical and major in, in business and, and uh, computers. 
Do you think if you had had some encouragement that you might have started earlier? Yes, definitely. I think children can only go as far as their parents can see, maybe a step or two beyond usually, but they takes them a while to go farther than that. They just don't have the vision. It's just not an acceptable part of their world. It's, it wasn't that it was discouraged. It's just that it wasn't even uh, contemplated. When did you write your first book or publish your first book? My very first book was a poetry book, and it was back in my mid-30s. I had some poems that were in the back of drawers and everything, and I had just gone through a divorce, and I was going back to school, and my children encouraged me to do it. Mm -hmm. So I wanted to set an example for them that you could do more than one thing. I was majoring in anthropology, and I grabbed these yeah, poems and had people read them and wound up publishing it, and people liked it. What was the title of that book? It was called Tilting Windmills. I love that title. <laughs> you know, Don Quixote, you know, you might as well. Yeah. <laughs> I see you published a book in 2012 called Saturday Salon, Bringing Community and Conversation Back into Our Lives. Tell us a little bit about that. Well, that was definitely a labor of love. It was something when I had gone back to school and I had stopped going to any particular church, but I was still feeling spiritual. And I missed that, those opportunities to have those conversations. And so I started just inviting a lot of different people to my house, single, married, conservative, liberal, different occupations and nationalities. And we would have these monthly potluck dinners and discussions. So about 10 years later, somebody said, well, you should write a book. We'd like to, uh, to help other people learn how to do it. So, <laughs> so that's what I did. And now you've written two mysteries. Is that correct? Yes. Logan McKenna is the main character. Yes. Without giving away any of your secrets, can you tell us how you came up with that name? I always knew that I wanted her to have Appalachian roots, and I don't know why, because I don't have any, but I just like that area of the country. I love bluegrass and a sort of strong, independent spirit of those people. Mm -hmm. So I did some research online and came up with that name. How long does it usually take you to write a story? The first book, the nonfiction, was uh, totally different. I really had to learn my way with the novels. I'd never... It wasn't like I majored in creative writing or anything, but I read a lot of mysteries, and so I started out stumbling around, but it now I'm realizing it's about an average, while I work full-time still, I'm a teacher, it's about a year to get a book out, but the actual writing only took a few months. You say you're an avid reader. Do you have a favorite genre? Well, what I do, I mix it up. I get uh, bored with uh, uh, mysteries and thrillers if that's all I ever read. So like right now I'm reading uh, Two Years Before the Mask by, I forget his name, Dana something or something Dana, but it's very good, nonfiction, it's his memoirs. And so I like to mix it up, like sometimes I read The Dancing Wooly Masters. I keep trying to understand quantum physics. <laughs> I have no idea. <laughs> How about a favorite author? I think in the mystery and uh, thriller genre, um, some of the usual ones you're most likely familiar with, I like um, Nevada Bar because she always goes to a new national park, and I like learning something new in books. I try and give that to my readers also. And I like, uh, you know, Patterson, all the regular ones, uh, John Grisham. Um, yeah, those are the, the ones I look for usually. How much research goes into one of your stories? I love doing research. I think because I'm an anthropologist by training, that is something I, I really enjoy. Like right now I'm working on book three, which is featuring, uh, to some extent, some sea otters and some land, you know, title disputes and different things. And really enjoy uh, calling people up and finding them online and getting them to agree to meet with me and 
and just, you know, tell me what they do for a living. I learn tons from them. I wish I could put it all in every book, but of course I can't. Do you use an outline? I'm just learning about outlines. I use Excel. My first attempt at an outline, because it was such an overwhelming, I just wanted to see if I could do it. But all the, all the various plot lines and, the, and keeping it straight, and I had this big chart paper on the wall with different color stickies for every character. <laughs> well, that took over the dining room for a while, and that it was very unwieldy. And I finally found that it works best for me to write um sort of, you know, scenes in my mind and sort of type those in, but I don't uh, use any outlining software. Uh, the most critical time is for the uh, the hours or days when the murder actually happens, and I, I just have an Excel spreadsheet. I've got the time across the top and the characters along the side and what everybody's doing, and then I just visualize that when I write the chapter. So you used an outline when you wrote your mysteries? Yes, kind of. I didn't have the whole story figured out when I started, but I had an idea. There's no way that I could write an outline. Uh, I, the characters take my stories over for me. That's a very good observation. I think that's very true. You just make the character. What I did the first book that I think I really enjoyed was doing the uh, background story of the character. Lots of history for the character that I may never use in the book, but then I just stick him in a circumstance and let it go. That's the best way, in my opinion. Yeah, I don't understand the total outline knowing what the story is going to be at the end because that's going to change about halfway through anyway. Can you name one person that's been a big influence in your life? Definitely my mother. She's not with us anymore. She died when she was 67 of uh, lung cancer. But my mother was, was the one who introduced me to books and to thinking. We'd wake up in the middle of the night to go get a drink of water, and there was mom reading on the couch. She would read Oh, the rise and fall of the Third Reich or the history of civilization or, you know, something light like that. <laughs> and you could talk about anything with her, any ideas, and she would have read something about it. You said you was with a small publisher and you have to handle your own marketing. How do you go about that? Do you have a plan? Do you have a publicist? Or you, you just kind of take it one day at a time? We've engaged the services of a publicist this last December or January. I can't remember. He's been very useful. has opened us up to ideas about audiobooks and these radio interviews, things like that. These are all things I'm learning as I go. I think it's it's very, uh, very important. What was your favorite treat as a kid? Like candy, cake, something like that? Oh, boy, just pretty much all of that. I. <laughs> I <laughs> I definitely had a sweet tooth. I would say when we lived in Japan, the dollar was very strong. So for like 10 cents, you could buy a huge bag of whatever you wanted down at the little stands. And they had these like gummy bears, but they would hang in strings. They were like little monkeys. You would tell them how many you wanted. We'd buy like five strings, <laughs> eat them on the way home. Okay, is that still your treat today? Today, I try and dial it back, although I really love blackberry pie with vanilla ice cream. That would be a mm -hmm. good <laughs> Do you have a favorite movie or a TV show? Thelma and Louise. <laughs> that's a good one. That's a good one, yes. Now, when I was growing up, we watched Bonanza and Rawhide and all those never missed an episode, you know, and mm -hmm. my mom was a big Gunsmoke fan. Okay, of all of your TV shows and the movies you watched, can you recall a favorite line? Lassie, Timmy's in the well. <laughs> <laughs> okay, that's a good one. Yeah. <laughs> How can folks get in touch with you? I know you're on Facebook. How about a Twitter account? I have Twitter and Facebook, and then, of course, there's a contact page on the website. It's ValerieDavison.com. 
I try and post on Wednesdays and Saturdays. However, I don't always make it, but I usually do. <laughs> okay. You want to give your email in case somebody wants to get in touch with you? Sure. It's just ValerieDavison.com. Maybe you need to spell that Davison for us. It's V-A-L-E-R-I-E-D-A-V-I-S-S-O-N at gmail.com. We want to thank you for being on the Wild West Showdown with us today, and please accept my invitation to come back and visit any time. Well, I really enjoyed it, and I appreciate you taking the time to talk with me. All right. We'll talk at you later then, okay? Okay. I got this CD in the mail, so I reckon I better play a song from it. This is Brian Gale singing Sun Coming Up. It's that time of the morning when my sun starts coming up And I'm standing on the corner with my guitar and my cup And I'm waiting for some people to come by and fill it up But my sun ain't come up yet this morning Big nights in the bar rooms for the small change I can make but the money don't repay me for the things I have to take. Somebody buys me liquor, then they laugh at how I shake. But it makes my sun come up each morning. There's that man with a spit shine on his shoes, I know him well. He'll toss me a half a dollar, walk on by and turn and yell. And that five spot ain't for liquor, well, he can go to hell. Cause he just made my son come up this morning. Lord, I wish I could remember how it feels to be a man. To get knocked down and have the guts to get back up again. And know that I don't really need this bottle in my hand. So maybe sun come up each morning But it's the devil knows he's got me When the bottle does me in But hell can't be no worse Than places I've already been And I don't want to go to heaven Cause I hear there ain't no gym To me my son come up each morning It's that time of the morning When my son starts coming up And I'm standing on the corner With my guitar in my cup And I'm waiting for some people To come by and fill it up But the sun ain't come up yet this morning Thanks so much for sharing with us, Brian. Why don't you share your talent with us like Brian did here on the Wild West Showdown? Whether you're a singer, a songwriter, a poet, 
Basically, if you have a talent that you want to share with others, let us know here on the show. But I don't have a CD to send you. Is that what you're saying? Well, that's okay. If you've got something on Facebook or something on YouTube, we can download that and use it. I want to say thanks to all those that have responded to our request and shared their work with us. Why don't you send an email to jc at outlawspublishing.com or jc at theoldcowboy.net. Let us help you share. We want to say thanks to Kimberly Murray and Brian Gale for sharing their music with us on the show today. And a very special thanks goes to Valerie Davison for being our guest. How would you like to be a guest on the Wild West Showdown? If you send us an email and let us know, we could probably make that happen. JC at outlawspublishing.com or JC at theoldcowboy.net. Even though I didn't know her, it's with a heavy heart that I tell you this. On March the 5th, 2016 at 9.33 a.m., 40-year-old country singer Joy Feet left this world for a better place. Her husband gave us these words. My wife's greatest dream came true today. She is in heaven. The cancer's gone, the pain has ceased, and all her tears are dry. After surgery in 2014 and then aggressive chemotherapy and radiation, her cancer continued to spread, and the couple announced in October that Joy would stop treatment and would focus on being comfortable in her final days. Joy had a carpet placed near her hospital bed so she could watch her daughter to Indiana play. Joy began recording herself reading storybooks so she can read to little Indiana even after she's gone. Back in 2012, the couple recorded a song that now has heavy emotional meaning. It features Joy singing about what life will be like once she's passed away. This is Joy Feek singing, When I'm Gone. A bright sunrise will contradict The heavy fall that weighs you down In spite of all the funeral songs The birds will make their joyful sounds You wonder why the earth still moves You wonder how you carry on But you'll be okay On that first day When I'm gone Dusk will come with fireflies and whippoorwill and crickets call and every star will take its place in silvery gown and purple shawl On that first night 
This is the old cowboy saying adios and happy trails. Come on back next week to the Wild West Showdown with the old cowboy J.C. Holsey.